0: It's our dreams that keep us going that separate us from the beasts. Mary Chase is right, and what good is a dream if you cannot share it with others in the form of a story?
1: You're listening to Jamie's Bits of Jam, a monthly storytelling podcast celebrating writing
0: from bricky brave gals. Each month, we choose a new theme and write a short 10-minute story based on that theme. This month's theme is Backstage. Our first story comes from San Francisco. Written by Christina Kishpaw, entitled, Merely Players.
1: At 60 years old, I am thrilled to hear of Margaret Hughes and her triumphant debut as the first actress to professionally appear on stage tonight in Shakespeare's Othello. And while I grant her this claim to fame, I have a story to tell I have told none before. As I sit here tonight, I feel a prompting to let my words flow about how I made history, but no one knew. Well, no one but me and Mr. William Shakespeare. It was a beautiful June day in the year 1610. I was barely 18 years old, and I made my pennies selling flowers from our small garden to the large crowds that filled and emptied the Globe Theater. It was such an exciting time for the theater. People would come in droves to see their favorite actors portray daring heroes, handsome love-struck fools, kings, queens, and beautiful maidens. A woman was not permitted to act on stage, and even at my young age, I knew that that was a silly law. It was the opening night of Shakespeare's new play, The Winter's Tale. I was very excited to see it, and was hoping to make enough selling flowers to go to the show. I secretly longed to be on stage, to be Juliet kissed by Romeo, or Beatrice trading witty banter with Benedict. I had sold enough to reach the ticket price when a little scoundrel came out of nowhere, took my purse of money, and knocked me down. My flowers flew every which way and were soon stomped on by the passing crowd into the theater. I picked myself up and nearly fainted upon seeing the blood coming from my elbow and running down my sleeve, ruining my dress, my best dress. I went to go pick up my basket and run home to tend to my wounded arm in pride when someone else picked it up before I could. I looked up and almost immediately looked back down. William Shakespeare himself was holding my empty flower basket He smiled at me and handed it over.
2: Quite the fall there, lass.
1: Nothing a little mending won't fix good, sir. Thank you kindly for retrieving my basket. He pointed to my
2: bleeding arm. Come along and I'll patch that up. Oh no, my lord. I can just go home. If you go home, how will you attend my play? Come along. What is your name?
1: He began walking and I stood my ground. My shaking ground. Miranda is my name, sir.
2: Miranda, beautiful name. Come along, Miranda. Curtain is soon, and I must be sure all of my men are in their places.
1: He gently places his hand upon my shoulder, and I follow him to the backstage entrance. A place I've often dreamt about, but never imagined I'd see with my own eyes. It all happened so fast. One moment I'm selling flowers, and the next I'm walking along the author himself backstage. I saw all my favorite actors preparing for their time on the stage. They were all so enthralled in their preparation... They took no notice of the girl with the mouth gaped in the bleeding arm. He took me to a dressing room where he sat me down and gently poured some clean water on my wound. I had finally reached a comfort level where I could look him in the face. He was smiling and slightly humming softly as he ripped a strip from a very fine, clean tunic and wrapped it around my arm. He stepped back and looked at me and then frowned. What is it?
2: This will not do. I have some stake in tonight, my dear Miranda, and I cannot have a blood-drenched girl distracting my audience. This is a comedy, after all.
1: I thought for sure he was about to ask me to leave, but then he turned around and began looking through dresses hanging on an overstuffed costume rack. Oh, sir, I could not. He pulled a dress off the rack. It was a light rose color, nothing extravagant, but still lovely. And finer than any dress I'd ever worn in my whole life.
2: You have no choice in the matter. Now get dressed. Walk down the corridor and turn left to join the ever growing crowd. Show's about to start. Quite exciting, is it not?
1: I grabbed the dress and nodded. I had never been treated so kindly by anyone, especially someone so far above my own station. I simply could not fathom what was happening. He left, and I quickly obeyed orders and changed into the dress. I turned to look at myself in the looking glass. The dress was a perfect fit, and I had never felt more feminine. I curtsied to myself and giggled, turning suddenly when I heard the crowd erupted into applause. The show was starting. I rushed out the door and down the corridor. Now, was it a left or right turn? It turned out not to matter, because suddenly my wrist was grabbed by another woman. No, a man, dressed in a similar dress as mine. "'What are you doing? We need to be on stage!' He pulled me up some stairs and to the backstage wing. I'm not! I tried to protest, but I was shushed immediately. I cannot recall if the next ten minutes went by very quickly or very slowly. What I do remember is being pushed on stage with three other similarly dressed men, and I stood frozen with fear as a whole scene played around me. We were meant to be handmaidens to the Queen Hermione, a part that, by grace, required no spoken word. I looked into the crowd and spotted Shakespeare. He notices me. He looks shocked, but shock soon fades into a grin. He nods at me, and my nerves calm. I peel my eyes away from him and realize where I am, what I'm doing. No woman has done this before. The audience saw me, but it wasn't me they saw. I was hidden in plain sight and full of wonderment until I was poked by the maidman man next to me to get off stage. Once backstage, I see Shakespeare has gone from his seat. Where had he gone? To tell the authorities? Was I to be locked away, possibly hanged for this accident? I should have refused to go on stage. I should have withheld the law. I decided my best option is to run away. One moment, a flower cellar. The next, a criminal on the run. I take the stairs and ran down the corridor. I turned left and almost collided into Shakespeare. Oh, sir, please forgive me. I know not what happened. It was an accident, I promise. I will never set foot in this theater again if you just let me go. My mother couldn't handle the scandal, my lord. Her heart is... He placed his finger on my mouth to shut me up.
2: Now, Miranda, I was just coming back here to make sure you are given what is owed to you.
1: I nod solemnly. I was just a foolish girl who stole a dress and ruined the opening night of his play. I deserved whatever he saw fit. Imagine my surprise when he placed a small pouch of pennies in my trembling hand.
2: Twelve pennies, the daily wage of an actor. I won't be hearing about not paying my players now, Miss Miranda.
1: He smiled again and turned to walk back to his seat, when he held out his elbow for me to take.
2: Miranda, are you coming? You'll miss the rest of the show.
1: So it was I who was the first professionally paid actress. But I do not boast. It's been a long while since that night, and I cherish it in my heart. Twelve pennies was quite a sum for me back then, but it was spent quickly enough. The real payment I received that day was kindness from a stranger and an experience that confirmed Shakespeare's sentiment that we are all merely players having our entrances and exits on this stage of life.
0: Our next story is a mother and daughter collaboration from Carol and Cassie Soliday entitled Stars That Never Burn Out. Jacqueline sit at her vanity backstage preparing for her big debut. The butterflies in her stomach had turned to piercing hornets. Sure, she had prepared as an understudy for the star of the show, but how could she have been prepared for her to call out an hour before curtain call? She had been called into the director's office and received the news that she, Jacqueline Burke, would open tonight. Little Jackie Buck, cowgirl and hay baler from the Midwest who came to New York and changed her name with hopes and dreams of making it, is going to be on stage, in front of thousands of people, including the top theatrical critic from the biggest news outlet in town. The star's unforeseen absence did not leave Jacqueline's mind. Time to process the enormity of the task at hand she had dreamed of terrible things happening to the star just so that she would have the opportunity to step up and into the spotlight couldn't she step onto a lovely avenue and get her sassy heels stuck in a grate and twist her ankle that would leave her unable to do the dance numbers dance in which i excel in i would kill it Hm, i could kill her Ultimately, her guilt would get to her and she would look up to the theater gods and ask for forgiveness. It's all so simple to say when you have no intention of following through. Now, the star is out and Jacqueline's stomach is turning like her stockings on spin dry, with only minutes away from curtain call. In an attempt to calm her nerves, she shut her eyes tightly and brushed through her soft golden tresses like her grandmother Ruth used to do when she was feeling anxious. So soothing it was. She was always the best Tylenol for a headache. She was so gentle and always seemed to soothe away little Jackie's troubles of the day. One stroke, two stroke. Jacqueline began feeling the anxiety lift and rise above her head. She recalled that it was her grandmother Ruth that inspired her to become an actress. It is in our genes, she would say, between folding towels and cutting up an apple for a mid-afternoon snack. Ruth had been raised on a vaudeville stage her parents were stagehands working behind the scenes she always said it was the backstage hands the set designers costumers directors light operators just everyone that made the stars look good and were the glue that held the show together ruth was so young that almost everything she said was a hoot so she was often pulled into acts for one thing or another she grew up in the theater back when it was thriving. Even after Ruth's father had died in the war, she and her mom continued to move on the road with their extended theater family. She never remarried, as she said there was only one love in her life. Life had been tough economically, but the experiences and people they met along the way were magical and rich, more valuable than gold. Jacqueline remembers all of these stories, and for a moment she becomes more anxious Her grandmother's success now lies on her. Though she had fulfilled the actor's itch as a child and young girl, she ultimately gave it up to fall in love, settle down, and have a family. She did this very well. But Jacqueline wondered if she felt it was worth it, with the way she would meander through memories longing for another time. Another time when she was on stage. Jacqueline remembers... As a child, when her grandmother made a stage out of a stand-up closet grandfather had made, beautiful red velveteen stage curtains she sewed and draped from the ceiling. Little Jackie and Grandma Ruth would play the oldies as they would sing and dance. They would dim the lights and Grandma would shine the spotlight on her. Ruth would say, "'Someday, Jackie, you are going to be a star, my sweet star.'" You'll need a flashier name, one that screams, Hello, world! I am the sunshine you need in your life. Jacqueline. Let it be Jacqueline. But, okay, you know Jackie's not short for nothing. <laughs> of course, dear. Jacqueline is your stage name, the name of the woman you want to be, the star you will become. Shine your light, baby, shine your light. These were the words that had encouraged Jacqueline throughout the years, and especially after Grandmother's death, when Jacqueline found it so hard to continue through life without her. Jacqueline could hear her grandmother's soft voice and feel her warm arms wrap around her. She heard her last words, I will always be here with you in your dear heart. A grandmother's love never dies. An older man dressed in black, wearing a headset, enters the room, startling her. So sorry to disturb you, Miss Jacqueline Buck. Uh, it's Burke. Oh. You wouldn't happen to be related to the late Ruthie Burke, would you? Uh, yeah. I'm I'm her granddaughter. Let's just say I wouldn't be in the theater if it wasn't for her. If you don't mind me saying, you look just like her. Noticing that Jacqueline seems nervous, he offered a warm word. Don't be nervous. Be fabulous. That's what her grandma always said. And it's five minutes till curtain. And with that, he left. Jacqueline could feel her grandmother's warmth around her. She picked up her hand mirror, which had been passed down. Looking at her reflection, she could see her grandmother Ruth's dear face. Yes, she was with her. She could feel her warm embrace. Suddenly, she did not feel overcome with so much negativity and doubt. She felt strong, courageous, and invigorated. It was time for Jacqueline to leave the backstage area and become the shining star of the show. After all, she was fulfilling a family tradition. As Jacqueline stepped on stage, no one else could see it. But she could. A willowy figure peeking at her from behind the stage curtain. It was a shadow from days past. The butterflies in her stomach were replaced with smiles from within her heart. Front stage. Places, please.
1: Jammy's Bits of Jam is produced by Christina Kishbon and Cassie Soliday. Music by Grace Sai. Follow us on Facebook as Jammy's Bits of Jam Podcast and Twitter at Jamie's Bits.
0: If you're interested in learning how to contribute to the show with your own short story based on the next theme to the podcast please email jammiestbits at gmail.com. Until then,
1: keep writing and embracing the most important thing that you have, your voice.